Well, it's really nice to be able to look at you here uh, in person. I, uh, you know, I've watched a lot of your videos and so forth. And I think you're really, really talented. I really, I really find what you're doing exciting and, and, and interesting. And, and it's different, isn't it? You're a different kind of musician. Yeah, you know, uh, well, my, my grandpa is one of the coolest people on the planet, you know, so I feel like I have to be a little different in some way, you know, it had, it couldn't just be the, just the regular thing, it had to be different, so just kind of picked up some things along the way, like a ukulele instead of a guitar, just to stand out a little bit, um, but. I was going to ask you if that's a thing now, I ran across somebody else using a, a uke in a, in a. I started that. Really? <laughs> No, I don't know. I don't oh. know if I did or not. I'm just uh, being silly. But uh, yeah, it seems like I was the only one doing that for a while. And then all of us, yeah, and all of a sudden, more people started running bands with ukuleles. But you do, do you compose your your songs? You use a guitar? I do. I use the guitar when I write songs. Yeah. I think there's like uh, one of our songs, Friend, I wrote on a ukulele because that's what I had with me at the time when the song came to me. So, yeah. but every other song, literally every everything else is when I'm on the guitar. All right. Well, I do want to talk about your band at length and uh, and your career and where you are now and where you're going and a little bit about you personally. But uh, let, let's start with the family because you have sprung from the most famous musical family, I think, uh, in the world right now. Wow. Well, I mean, seriously. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not just, uh, it's not just Willie, but he's got, you know uh, that Lucas and Micah have made big names for themselves. I've seen Lucas a couple of times on stage. He's just unbelievable right. with his guitar work, and yeah. uh, and then and Willie's daughters and granddaughters and everybody. And I get, you know, I get a little confused as to who's who. But uh, this has been your life from the time you were born, right? This family. Yeah, you know. Um... Yeah, just like everyone, just born into a family. But my grandpa was uh, already big and famous when I was born, you know, so it's just all I've ever known. Um, so I come from, my my dad was Willie Nelson Jr., mm -hmm. who died in 91. And I'll give you a quick family tree lesson if you're into it. Um, yeah. My grandpa was married to Martha, who was my grandmother. And Martha and Willie had Lana, Susie, and Billy. And Billy was the youngest, my dad. And they called him Billy, and just to keep it less confusing. And then he, uh, they got divorced. He married Connie, or he married another lady named Shirley Collie, but they didn't have any children. And they got divorced, and he married Connie, who um, my dad actually named me after. I'm Constance Raylan. And oh. Yeah, so he came after his stepmom. He loved her very much. She's an awesome lady. Uh, and Connie and Willie had uh, Paula and Amy. And Paula has Paula Nelson Band, and she's also a radio VJ for um, for Sirius XM on right. Outlaw Country. And I think I some my, yeah. and some of my grandpa's station, too, maybe, on Willie's Roadhouse. Yeah. And then my Aunt Amy has a band called Folk Uke with Kathy Guthrie, who is Arlo Guthrie's daughter and Woody Guthrie's granddaughter. I didn't know about her. Um, okay, so their songs are great. Folk Uke, you have to check out Folk Uke. It's uh, different and beautiful, and uh, Papa Willie and Arlo play all over their music. You can yeah. hear their, you know, their picking, and so you have to check. And sing some, too, by the way. They sing on it too. So you got to check that out. 
And then uh, Connie and my grandpa got divorced and he was with Annie now. He's still with Annie and they had Lucas and Micah. And that is, uh, well, then we found out he had Renee who was right. very late in life from um, from something even before my grandma. I was going to say, it's like she's like the first child, but she's the last one to show up. Yes. And she's the, she's the oldest one. She's passed away now, RIP. But uh, she had breast cancer a couple of years ago. But um, she was actually the lady who he, her, her biological mom had her and gave her to a couple in a bar because that's what you do in 1950 or whatever. I, mm. I it's just, <laughs> But her, um, she grew up in a very loving home with that couple. And uh, she was about 30 years old when she reached out to my grandpa originally. And she said, I don't want anything. I just want you to know that I'm here. And then later on, she came back and she's like, I want to get to know the family. So we got to know her a little bit later on in life. Yeah. Who is Trevor Nelson? Okay, Trevor is my cousin so papa willie's brother doyle who isn't you know aunt bobby she we lost aunt bobby this right. year my, yeah. um my great aunt who played piano that's his sister and he had a brother named doyle who wasn't really in he wasn't in the band he was you know and and um much of any anything famous or anything mm. uh, but he had a son named lonnie and lonnie just passed we've lost a lot of people lately uh, Lonnie just passed away, RIP, but Lonnie's son is Trevor. So, uh, you know, technically Lonnie, it would, would have been my dad's first cousin. And they, um, they hung out, grew up together. Lonnie and my dad were really close. And then, um, so Trevor is now in LA and he was acting for a while. I think he's still in LA now. Mm. Um, we're, we're kind of all spread out all over the place. I'm the only sure. one here in Nashville. When, when you're a little... Were uh, family gatherings like, you know, just big hoot nannies, everybody gather in a room, start playing and singing? Or was it just, that was just something that happened uh, professionally and, you know, that was just part of the deal? So when we would all get together would be the 4th of July picnics or yeah. it would be already a show happening. Uh-huh. Um, so, and my grandpa's always asked the family to get up on the stage and do the gospel set with him. So kind of like what you're thinking but not like what you're thinking it's not like and <laughs> i think there's been just a couple of times that i remember us all getting up and playing a little something for each other that doesn't happen very often we're just very spread apart and then after covid papa willie has to be very um we have to protect him you know he's the 89 and yeah. um he did get covid and recovered so he you know he's got the antibodies for a while but uh we have to keep him pretty protected so we try not to you know, bring, cause we're all out and about in the world. We're trying not to bring any germs to him, but he's quick to text. We text and, you know, talk on the phone if we need to and all that. You get tired of talking about your family. I mean, I know you love them, but uh, it, 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 you know, it must be like, you know, the constant focus and uh, you've got yeah. your own life and you've got your own kids and you've got your own career and everything. Well, it's like, it's like, I mean, would you get tired of talking about your family? Like, it's almost like talking about yourself when you're talking about your family, you know, everyone wants to talk about themselves and I'm proud of my family. Uh, I know it's super interesting, you know, I get it because I would want to know all about, um, I would want to know all about people that I love's family. I, you know, I would read books to find out about Loretta Lynn and Johnny Cash and, yeah. you know, and Dolly Parton. I find, I read things to try to figure it out. So I totally get it. Difference uh, is you might well get to meet those people, right? 
Yeah, I didn't get to meet Loretta before she passed, which is oh, sad. But I also like I loved her so much. Um, I I like my grandpa's the coolest, and he would not let any of his fans down. One of his biggest things his whole life, he's told us always be kind to the fans. You know, he grassroots style made it. So he um he's a little different because he's just really super cool. But I've met I have met people that have um disappointed me, you know. So yeah. I was like don't want to meet Loretta Lynn. I just, I don't think she would disappoint me, but I just don't want to know, you know, so there's some people that you just don't want to be disappointed by. And you have this grand thought of them and I just want to keep them on the pedestal. So I'm okay with not meeting people that, uh, you know, that I super respect or like as a kid, I was like really into or something. I, you know, I can't, I don't want to. Oh, I, I know the feeling very well. I've, I've been there and I have met some people and I've been in radio for a very long time. So I've done a lot of interviews and uh, some people are just, you know, they just crush you because yeah. they're not responsive or they don't care. And uh, I'll give you a quick story, though. My my meeting with with Willie, um, my wife and I went to a concert. We were living in Sacramento, which is where we're from. And he was performing at the Folsom Rodeo Arena, which is, you know, a, a little dirt rodeo arena. Yeah. This was probably... I would say about 30 years ago. Anyway, so we were like in the fourth row center and it was fabulous. And I was just taking pictures and very excited. And then I couldn't believe it. And this was not the first time I'd seen him perform, but it had always been in a big auditorium or something. So the show's over and he's waving and goodbye and everybody leaves. And the next thing we know, he's coming down, walking down off the stage into the arena, down into the dirt where everybody's, you know, making their way toward the parking lot and suddenly everybody turns around and comes back and gathers around Willie Nelson. And he just, he's just chatting and shaking hands and signing autographs and stuff. And it just blew me away. Now, at the time, I was the number one radio star in Sacramento, my partner and I, and uh, we did a morning show. It was very popular news and talk and just a lot of blah, blah, blah and having fun. Well, <clears throat> my wife says, we need to ask him if, you know, you could talk to him on the phone, you know, do a little interview tomorrow or something. I said, I don't, I don't know. I'm scared to death. I've met a lot of people. I've interviewed presidents, but I could not, I could not talk to Willie Nelson. I swear to God. And I mean that literally. My wife pulls me over to him and we had him sign. She had him sign our tickets. And then she said, Willie, my husband was wondering if you would, uh, uh, do a little interview on the radio tomorrow morning on the phone. And he says, well, darling, we're going to be uh, probably halfway to Utah by then. My bus is leaving right here, right now. And at that time, there were no, there were no good cell phones. And, uh, you know, he was going to be sound asleep anyway. So she says, oh, okay, that's understandable and so forth. Well, it was really nice meeting you. Thank you. And through this whole conversation, I'm just standing there with a dumb look on my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know and when we walked away, he's thinking, radio the guy doesn't even talk he's so, so used to it though yeah pardon me he's used to it though he's i guess he probably is so tell me about uh your childhood wait did he of... did he ever do the interview or no is that the end? no 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 and let me tell you I really didn't expect it because it was just a spur of the moment thing and he was going to be in his in his bus halfway across the country and i started at 5 a.m you know the next morning so 
Yeah, he did. He always left the venue right after and headed to the next place. Yeah. They usually get there in the middle of the night. So he'd wake up in the next town. Yeah. Um, and he's always, at least before, um, I mean, before COVID, he would stop and sign autographs to everyone. You know, mm -hmm. he, I don't remember him getting down off the stage very often. Maybe that was special because of the rodeo setup, but he would stand at the stage and shake hands and and sign autographs for everyone, you know, yeah. everyone that wanted it, he would do it until they made him get off. So he's always just been for the people, you know, not ever lost the, uh, the I'm one of you vibe energy. And he, it's funny how many people I've seen do what you did, do that dot, like, just can't yeah. say anything to him <laughs> and he's the easiest one to talk to you know he, <laughs> right. you could say anything you know um and he would love it so if you ever get the chance again just don't yeah well i certainly hope so um so anyway uh tell me a little about your uh, your childhood you you have a sister right Okay, so I have a, my sister, yeah, we say sister and brother. I have a brother too, but they're half brother and sister. So same mom, different oh, dad. I see. So they're not, um, they, they are family, but they're not uh, in the Nelson family. But my Nelson family, you know, has, of course, embraced them and still love my mom and everything. Yeah. So she, anything that's hers is theirs too. But uh, the, uh, let's see, childhood, they're quite a bit, my brother and sister are quite a bit younger than me. I was eight when my brother was born and 12 when my daughter, or my daughter, my <laughs> my sister was born and uh so it was just me for a while and my dad passed away when I was seven so that was super hard my mom was already married to my stepdad who is a, a great stepdad couldn't ask for a better one he's one of my best friends now and um so uh growing up was kind of rough just losing you know a dad young and not understanding that at all uh, kind of a sad childhood but my mom and stepdad did everything they could to make it great you know it's just sad wanted to ask you about that in passing uh, your your father billy he uh, our understanding i think is very well known that he killed himself but I, I, how does that affect a seven-year-old did were you were you aware of the circumstances and the situation and and how long before you kind of came to any any uh, peace peace with what had happened you know uh well you know it it was kind of my first run with death as a person you know i didn't i mean i knew the concept of it from watching shows or tv yeah. or movies or whatever yeah. but i didn't um understand where they go or just the, the thing of they're not coming back i didn't understand that you know right. um but they don't they don't come back it's gone they're gone <laughs> uh I, I've definitely come to peace with that. I think there was a time in um, my early 20s, I read something, I don't even know what book it was, but I read in a book that you have to choose to be happy and that it's not, that the joy is already there. You just have to choose it and find it and everything. So from that point on, it was very hard, but uh, you know, or not hard, but it took time to find the joy in everything, which just kind of made me laugh at everything, make everything funny, make everything funny for a while so that it just wasn't crying all the time anymore. Yeah. And slowly I wasn't crying all the time anymore. And I didn't yeah. have as much fear because there was just more laughter and joy. And I think that's where I still am. And, you know, I, when stuff is heavy, I try to find the fun, funny in it, you know, 
Um, I'm not saying that's the healthiest way, but that's how I cope with it. Oh, I bet it is. You know, they've actually done scientific studies that have proven what I think most of us have figured out on our own. And that is, if you're really down sometime or you're angry about something, if you just force yourself into using the muscles that, that force a phony smile on your face, Mm-hmm. You can feel it, you know, it, it changes, it changes your, uh, your emotion at that moment. So I would, and I would think that that's probably a little bit easier for a child to do than it is for somebody who's older. For a, it took me, it took me a while. I was like early twenties before I figured that out, you know, right. just, yeah, it was just a lot of dealing with worrying that my mom was going to die and that everyone around me was going to die. And, uh, it, it affected school. It affected everything around me, you know? Yeah. Um, Christmas time, my dad died on Christmas. So, uh, anytime this time of year, even when it starts getting fall and just starts cold, I can feel, you know, the seasonal depression. Yeah. But it's more of like a heavy personal thing. Yeah. yeah, I have to, uh, pull myself out of it or I will just lay in. I would, I would allow myself if I were to allow myself to just lay in bed and be sad, I would just get sick and die eventually. And I don't know. I just, I don't want, I want to be healthy as long as I'm here. I don't, I don't need to live longer. I just, you know, I want to live as healthy and happy as possible, you know, and making music, writing music, doing comedy podcasts, you know, music is funny with JV that like all of that brings me joy. being a mom, you know, I'm a mom as well. So doing all those things bring me joy and um, yeah, just follow the joy, right? Follow yeah. what brings brings the hap, you know, the happiness. I love doing yoga. I started a yoga studio here in Nashville this year with some friends, um, some yoga sisters. And so it's just like, just follow the passions that bring you joy because that, I feel like that's why we're here. You yeah. know, you're, you got to start small. Also, um, I don't know if you ever do this, if you're in a bad mood and you know that turning on music is going to make you feel better, but you push it off. <laughs> do you ever do that? Because <laughs> you're like, I want to be, <laughs> I'm going to stay mad. I want to stay mad. But as soon as you put on a <laughs> tune that you know is, you can't help but do this too, you automatically feel better. It's so funny. I think, I think laughter is like that comedy, turning on a comedy podcast. I'll do the same thing if I'm like, now I just turn them on. If nobody's around and mm. I'm doing something, I just turn them on so that it's just constant laughter coming my way. Um, I, I, look, I will admit, I, I, I don't know uh, your entire repertoire by any shape. But um, I, I get a sense, and, and it may just be because of the, the type of music you do, which is, well, help me with the description. It's like a crossover between, it's country, but it's also very modern, and it's got a hard edge to it. And I think I just saw it described as uh, garage punk or so, something weird like that. Yeah. How, how, how do you describe it? I like that. I think Rolling Stone said country garage rock. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, So JB, my music partner, guitar player, his background is all rock, right? Just Mm -hmm. Clash, Ramones, uh, Off. I I don't even know anymore, but like that's, he just likes hard rock and or fast punk rock stuff. And then of course me, it was all country, you know, just like Pop Willie, Loretta Lynn, Dolly Parton, uh, Patty Loveless, all the '90s country. I, I knew all the songs by heart, um, but so it's just this mesh of that, you know. Um, I start the songs, and then he comes in and arranges it in such a way where it has a punk feel, and that that right there is different than and what. Well, there's some people doing it, but <clears throat> um, but that you know we try to. That's where the different 
thing is, you know, the guitars have to be loud. Um, and, you know, usually in country music, the vocals sit on top of the, of all the music. It's just how it's always been done in country music. But in ours, we want the guitars loud and the vocals there with it, which is more rock, you know? Yeah. Then it's a country song that I'm yeah. singing and playing, you know, the bones of it are, are all country. Yeah. Th usually three or four chords, uh, first first course first bridge course out you know i mean there's some other you know part a part b part a part b it catches bit. fire and then comes back down back yeah. to its roots right and um we we've written a couple ballads if you will but the one that uh we've originally wrote was called daddy's grave and it was song therapy for me uh i loved getting everything out that i wanted to say through a song you can almost sing it easier than you can say things sometimes mm -hmm. Um, or write, you know, same thing as you just like writing it down is way easier than saying it out loud. Or when you say something out loud, you're like, oh my God, that's so ridiculous. In your head, it didn't sound as ridiculous or whatever. Um, but when we, I wrote the song and put it out and we're singing it and every time we sing and play it, everybody got so sad. It took three or four of our rocking numbers to get people dancing and have smiles on their faces again. But I decided I didn't want to make people sad. Like there's enough sad things going on. There's there's plenty of reasons to be sad and I just wanted to be happy. So I don't even play that song out anymore. I feel like that's car listening, shower listening. But you know, you know, a lot of people, and I, I think especially people who, uh, who are connected with country music love a good, I know heart wrenching, you know, down. And I can't tell you when I got divorced, I played, he stopped loving her today about oh. 80,000 times. And I would just sit and and just ball, you know. <laughs> it was very therapeutic. Yeah. But then I get tired of it, and I go put on some Chicago or whatever was ha happening at the time. So uh, you know, it that's entirely up to you. But uh, I think it's I think it's nice to get let people let people uh, have a moment. I'm going to pause right there for a second. Okay. Daddy's grave. That's the name of the song you're talking about. Yes. You wrote that wrote that when? Um probably eight or nine in the beginning, you know, right right when we were writing Moon Song in the very beginning, first CP and stuff. Yeah. It was uh the first shot at doing something, you know, really heart-wrenching and yeah. genuine. You know? Uh not that everything else isn't genuine, because I try to write from things that happen around me. Mm -hmm. But it was just, you know, heartfelt sad song that I knew was gonna affect my family, you know, it, it affected everyone around me when we yeah. put that song out. Sure. I noticed on your, uh, uh, well, I guess it was probably one of the YouTube videos or something I was looking at, and uh, it's, oh, it, it, no, it's your website where you have you have a listing, the band members, uh, you play the ukulele <laughs> and you do vocals. Jonathan Bright is guitars and vocals. Preach Rutherford is bass. And then you have, tw you list 12 different drummers. <laughs> And I sense a Christmas story coming out of that. <laughs> okay. Where are the 11 Pipers, you know? <laughs> What's the deal with the drummers? <laughs> yeah, what is the deal with drummers? We have had the hardest time holding down a drummer. Our first drummer left us to drum with Gene Simmons' solo band. Our, another one left for Steve Earle. 
He's still with Steve Earle. Another one left for Steven Tyler. She um, played for Steven Tyler for a while now. She's with Samantha Fish. And the other ones were just kind of the ones that we pulled because we did use those three for a while, but they were had to have other gigs. So we'd pull other ones in to fill in the gigs that they could. I thought, I thought it was a joke of some kind. You were, I thought you were just list, <laughs> listing your friends and the people who, you know, your roadies and what have you. <laughs> no, those are really actually well, people who have drummed with us. At you're obviously a very good showcase for drummers. I know. Right? <laughs> little launching pad for everyone to go play with bigger people. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, where do you think you are? Where do you feel that you are in your career right now, this stage of your development? How how far is it you want to go? Do you have any aspirations to do something different? No, I want to do what I'm doing. I want to, I just want to keep climbing the ladder. And I think doing that as an independent artist, I don't have a like record label behind me. You know, it's just us and reaching out and doing using everything we have to get uh, more people to listen to the music so they wanna come to the shows, right? So uh, like during the pandemic, JB and I started a podcast where we were interviewing comedians because right. we were listening to their podcasts and their standup in the uh, in the car on the way to gigs and stuff. So then when we weren't able to go play, we we're like, I wonder if we can get them to talk to us since they don't get to go play either, you know? Yeah. So we crashed my grandpa's museum in Nashville on Music right. Valley Drive, Willie Nelson and Friends Museum and Showcase. And we uh, just set up cameras and then I reached out to Doug Stanhope and told him my grandpa was Willie Nelson. So my grandpa, when my, I have children, I'm a mom, right? So when my boys were born, he gave me a job checking his fan email, uh -huh. which is so sweet of him. I uh, was able to stay home with my kids, able to pursue music. It just gave me a job. I'm a spoiled Nelson, thank you so much. Papa Willie for that, but I can send an email out and it'll say it's from Willie Nelson, right? right? So I've used this. And of course I asked him, of course, if I could do it. And he said, yes. And um, so anytime with the music or with the podcast, I would just email through there. I would say, this is Ray Lynn, Willie's granddaughter. I'm reaching out because of this. And Doug Stanhope got back to me immediately and he did the podcast. And if you get Doug Stanhope to say yes to your podcast, most other comedians will say yes too, is yeah. what I, so that's kind of the way it works. Yeah, you know that, and that's how I met you, was through that. Oh, through the Willie Nelson fan club uh, email, because I was reaching out to him, and then you wrote back to me saying very nicely, and you it was like within an hour I yeah. sent my email, and uh, he said, "Well, uh, Willie's not doing interviews right now, but thank you for asking." And I saw your signature, and I said, "Wait a minute, I recognize that name too, Raylan." So I wrote back and said, "Well." I know you a little bit. Why don't Why don't you come on and talk to me? So you said, "Yeah, okay, fine." Okay, yeah. So, so that's great. So uh, you have uh, you have two you have two boys and a girl. Is that right? You have twin boys. Yep, I have twin boys. They are fifteen now. They're learning to drive. Oh gosh. And my daughter's thirteen. She yeah. just started her period for the first time this year. <laughs> And oh well and she's like stop telling everybody <laughs> <laughs> how about them are they musical at all my boys are they play piano their favorite band is ajr they love playing all their songs on piano and uh, they practice every day they um they sing too but they're not really working that muscle as much as the piano which is just what they're focused on right now and then my daughter is more into dance and acting and comedy and she's She's not really a musical person. She's just, but definitely an entertainer of some sort, yeah, well, you know. She's I don't fun. see how you can avoid that. 
I know. Right. <laughs> we all just want to be just like Papa Willie. I think it's the deal. Well, that's that's delightful. What is your uh, what is your process involved in writing songs and putting them together and working them out with the group? Okay, so I. Uh, I, I wait for songs to come to me, but um, usually they come to me if I'm um, either riding around back roads. Uh, I usually make a point to drive back roads for that point because usually songs will come to me or ideas or a good lyric or something. And I just start wherever that spot is and try to think on it when I'm in on the back roads or in, a sh in the shower. It seems like you have to be doing something routine to get to be, and then it, those things start pouring in. At least I just, I just read, uh, I read an interesting article on that very point, and that's exactly, that's exactly right. The creative people uh, are most creative. They, their, their creativity blossoms when they're doing something that doesn't require a lot of concentration. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I always found that was true. I've always, I'm also a playwright, and uh, oh, so I cool. my radio work, and I found that that's true when I was out doing yard work. You know, if you're mowing the lawn or something it doesn't take a lot of concentration but you're busy so i'm yeah, sorry I'm, i kind of interrupted but that just struck a chord with me yeah um chop when i go out and chop uh you know chop the stuff that needs to be trimmed yeah same thing same exact thing it's like you're, you're doing something that doesn't require a whole lot of thought so it shuts off some part of the brain that just allows all the other stuff to flow in yeah yeah um so th so then do you have to do you have to make notes you have to run in and grab your guitar and start working or will it sit for a while Sometimes if it's a melody, <clears throat> if it's a melody, I have this thing where if I don't remember the melody later, then it wasn't a good enough melody. Yeah. anyway. Because uh, my, I, I think what I bring most to the table is a catchy melody. So uh, if it's not catchy enough to where I'm going to remember it, if I came up with it, then it's not worth it. But everything else I try to write down somewhere like lyrics or um, unless I have the lyrics already with the melody. Uh, like one time I was just driving around and uh, the first part of our song Brother came to me, the lyrics and the song. I can't breathe, but I'm still smoking. I'm so high, but I keep talking. I'm drunk, but I'm still drinking too. So I had that for months and didn't know what the song was about, you know? So I was like, and I just sing that over and over and over again. Then I saw, I was watching a TV show and this girl had her three older brothers go after the dude that cheated on her. And I'm like, oh my God, I think. I don't think there's a song about a brother going after the guy yet. That's so country, you know? So uh, yeah, really. Working it around that. It was just a, a premise of something. And I had that for a long time. And I knew that it would be like, a, you know, like a dun 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 Like I had certain parts about it, but it didn't all quite come together. So then when I kind of have something, I'll do a rough on guitar on my voice memo and i'll send it to jb and i'll be like is this worth keeping and he'll either say yes or no or if i don't get an answer back that's usually a good i don't usually i always get an answer back now but in the beginning if i didn't get an answer back i knew it was probably dumb but now <laughs> now it's good now they're mostly good so he's uh he'll send back something else like he'll he'll start thinking on it and write some stuff and send stuff and i'll nay it or send other things and then we kind of write back and forth over the phone he's at his house i'm at my house whenever we can you know amongst life and then then we'll get together and he'll actually get some drums down because we'll already have an idea and then we'll just start going from there uh but yeah i mean that's kind of how it, it if i sit there with my i don't like just sit like i'm gonna write a song today yeah. i don't 
it doesn't work like that. I want to write, I want people to relate to songs. So I feel like it has to come from something around me, something that's happened. kind of organic. Mm -hmm. the way yeah. it grows in you. And it's so exciting then once you get once you get this idea that you get excited about it and it's like, okay, 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 now we're now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. And then songs evolve too, you know, they change over time. Uh like our song free that we just put out. I wasn't even planning on putting it out. I wrote that song years ago, a few years ago, right after the divorce. And it would, I thought it was just for me to play at little solo shows I did. You know, I didn't think it I would ever put it out for Raylan Nelson Band. And then after the pandemic, I'm like, oh my God, everyone can relate to this song <laughs> now, you know? Good so point. then we changed a little bit of the bridge to make that work for the time. And then, you know, so... It, it's weird like it was something I pushed away I'm like oh no that's an old song you know and I, and I love new songs new the, the newest song that we've we've written is my favorite one to play and sing because so. yeah you just it's not that you get sick of the old ones or anything it's just you know it's like another level of the video game or something because you yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you say it's it's the latest thing to, to get you excited yeah, and you're right. and I'm already good at performing the ones we've performed a thousand times. I want to perform or hundreds yeah. of times. I want to do the new one and see how that one goes performing. You know, I've seen I've seen your grandpa do probably five or six shows, and I've always wondered, said, my God, how can he play on the road again? Again, how can he do that? Yeah, I always wonder that about artists who. Uh, you know, really made all these big hits. And you know that people are coming to see you because they want to hear you sing your songs. And yeah. you just, I guess you just go through the process. It's like actors in broad on Broadway who do eight shows a week for a year, you know. Yeah. One of my grandpa's books, he talks about that. And he said that uh, if he went to go see Hank Williams, because Hank Williams, well, Hank Williams was all of their favorite, you know, yeah, yeah. Johnny, Waylon, all of them. And then, of course, Django Reinhardt for um, his guitar. Famous. Right. Super influential as well. But um, he said, if I were to go see Hank Williams, I'd want to hear Hey, Good Looking. I'd want to yeah. hear Zambalaya. You know, he, he's like, I want to hear the hits. So right. I will keep playing the hits as long as people want to come hear them because he's he's a fan of people too and their hits, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You said something there that stopped me for a second. Oh, I know what it was. You were talking about Django. Um, oh, yeah. Did you ever get to play Trigger? You ever get to hold yeah, the guitar and play with it? I did. My grandpa actually gave me a good uh, game. Well, he gave me my guitar that I have when I was 14. Uh -huh. And then when I saw him next, I I played him on Trigger, the song that I had been working on. And he gave me a little guitar lesson there on Trigger. But uh, the, ne the uh, neck of that guitar is way thicker than the, you know, he got me a lady size yeah. Martin. Beautiful. I still have it. Made it through a fire somehow. Uh, but it's a magical guitar and I love it and I play it all the time. But um, his, the neck is so thick and it was hard for, I remember it being like, oh, I'm not doing as good as I do on my guitar. And then he taught me some stuff and, um, but yeah, I've played it. It's a magical instrument as well, that trigger. It's got the most unique sound I've ever heard. Yeah. And unbelievable. So what, what does he, what does Willie say about your music and your career? Does he have any... Does he talk to you at all about it? Does he just let leave you alone, let you do your thing unless you have a question or something? Kind of both. Yeah, I'll send him, all of us who write music will send him our songs when we're yeah. 
or done. And then um, in, in the beginning, he'd be like, these songs are great, great songwriter, keep going, write more, you're on a roll, great band, all the all the supportive good stuff you need. Mm -hmm. He sang and played on the Moon song with us. He said we'd make it a world smash hit, which it hasn't been yet. I'm so hoping. <laughs> uh, he, um, yeah, he also, if I start writing a song over the pandemic, I'd write little, little things. And um, instead of sending it to JB, I would send it to him. I'd be like, here's what I got, you know, what do you want? So then he would add a little verse to it uh, so then I have all these little songs that I've written with my grandpa then you send it to JB and don't tell him that you got yeah. some help I did I'm like listen we can't change this line because technically this is a co-write with Willie Nelson so we have to <laughs> uh, I was like you could change anything else just not that verse but uh yeah you know it's kind of neat it is really cool and um when I sent him free and uh the lyrics and everything he was like as soon as it's done let's play it on Willie's Roadhouse which was huge for me because oh. a little I'm a, you know our band's a little more a little rocking for Willie's yeah. Roadhouse yeah but uh he heard the single and it was just country enough to make it I guess so yeah. that, that that was special to me that he wanted to play it on his radio station well, you you need to be you need to do an album with him, you know. It'll be uh, Willie yeah. and Raylan and the boys. Right? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's good. Very he, uh, I don't ask him to do anything. He does so much for us. Right. And um, anything that I've gotten to do, I've just been asked. As far as like the Fourth of July picnic, and we got to add, play Farm Aid one year, but I just wait to be asked. It's right. just it's way better that way, right? When, oh, of course, of course. Yeah. You don't want to put any pressure on him. Family pressure is bad. Uh, one other thing that I was thinking about, uh, you, you seem, and I can't remember the specifics, but we we're just talking about farm aid and uh, a picnic and so forth. You seem to have uh, inherited your family's compulsion to do good for other people, yeah. to do uh, uh, kind of, you know, benefit kind of things and so forth. What, have you, what, what kind of causes really are close to your heart? So my Aunt Amy and I started Willie's Kids, which is an, um, a humane initiative, you know, to provide, um, it's to provide, to provide like um, humane lesson plans to school curriculum, like science, math, uh, English, just like all those subjects are pertinent for us to know and be better people. So is humane education, where we teach everyone to be compassionate toward other people, toward animals. Um, the specific thing is for animals and Willie's kids. And um, my grandpa sent my aunt, aunt, my aunt Amy and I to DC to lobby for the horse slaughter bill. Man, this was 10 years ago. I mean, I was, um, now looking back, I, I was a baby, but I felt grown up at the time. Uh, but it was very much eye-opening. Like we were watching I'm Just a Bill to figure out what it you know because we just were so dumb on congress and senate and how to get a bill passed and all these mm -hmm. things we started learning all that then um and re quickly realized why papa willie sent us instead of him going down there you know just to lobby and talk to all these congressmen about these uh about horse horses being slaughtered yeah. and they have the cattle ranchers paying them thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and we're like we're willie's kids and we're trying to help horses you know but it actually helped enough to get it done it's now called the safe act and i think like there aren't any horse slaughterhouses in 
they're or legal ones anyway in the United States, but they're in Mexico and Canada. Yeah. So then they'll ship them there. So now the whole thing is to get them to stop shipping them out to and also horses are are not good for human consumption and they're selling it overseas for human they're selling the meat Mm -hmm. to france and people who do eat horse meat on the regular but it's not good meat for them and they've been um they've been like warmers and pesticides and all this stuff from because they're mostly like racehorse or some of them are racehorses you know and some of them they're not these aren't the horses that are just free range on the blm land not black lives matter the bureau of land management land you know not these horses that are getting sent it's the race horses that aren't racing anymore or crippled or whatever and they stuff them in these trailers but anyway that's originally what happened and of course we're always for the farmers my grandpa started that in 1985 or something and um of course the the food of our country is extremely important (laughs) you know so and they are and about to get more so with the way things the world is changing i know i know i've started um and i'm not a grow plant girl until this year and something i don't know if it's just getting into your 30s or whatever but something's like start planting and start planting watch them grow watch it grow so i've been like planting little vegetables and herbs and things and it's way easier than you think it is but also if if i had a huge crop i I can't imagine but anyway farm aids always I, i hope my family will always keep that going you know forever and ever and ever and of course neil young and Dave Matthews family and everybody else. John Mellencamp. John Mellencamp. You know, Cougar Mellencamp. Had a little bit of a chance to enjoy your kids lately. You, they were home. Yes. For, they were home for yes. a fall break, was it? Yes. Thank you so much for letting me have those days. Cause so earlier in the week, last week when they were on fall break and they do school at home online, so they're not away, but I had to do a golf tournament thing on Monday for, it was so, if, if I'm the celebrity, like as soon as it's a celebrity golf tournament, JB mm-hmm. and I went, we were supposed to be celebrities with the little teams, you know? Yeah. So immediately JB was like, she's really, she's Billy Nelson's granddaughter. And I was like, thank God he told him because then. <laughs> you like, don't want to have to say it yourself. I know. And I didn't want to have to say it, but, um, but yeah, so then uh, we did that and that was all day Monday. And then Tuesday was um, Doug Stanhope came to Nashville and he reached out very early in the day. And so I went and hung out with him and JB and I both did. And we drank all day long. Wednesday, I was hungover. Um, and so I was like, oh my God, I have to spend some time with my kids this week before they go to their dad's. But they had been with me for a couple of weeks because he was out of town. So, you know, but my their dad is awesome. He lives just like 15 minutes from me, him and his wife. His wife is great, uh, a wonderful stepmom. And uh, we co-parent pretty well together. And so, yeah, you know. That's I'm wonderful. Go, more more people. To get them today. More people should be like that. You know, I've been saying, you know, my wife and I both were divorced. We both had, uh, we both had one son from our first marriage. And uh, we remain good friends with our exes. And it's so much better for the kids. And it's so much better for us. Yeah. I don't know why so people, you know, hold on to the bad part of something that was largely good. It's like, well, you were in love for at that time, you know. You, you, had so, you have some wonderful memories. Why don't we dwell on those and let the other stuff go, you know? Yeah. That's I've very healthy. And in kind of crappy co-parenting situations just because of resentful thoughts and or whatever you know 
our human nature just for human nature you yeah, know yes. so i'm really glad and it took a while i mean it took a while for us to even want to talk to each other oh you know? sure I mean, we I did you all go through that you all through go through that phase yeah there just, are some like there are some resentments that. and anger that you have to get through yep and then i remember us actually having a conversation like i'm sorry we were so it, it just felt like we got married really young and started doing things out of spite toward each other and could not get out of that. And I never want to live like that again, you know, just all of a sudden doing things out of spite. And I remember us realizing that years, you know, a few years after the divorce and apologizing to each other for being so young and dumb and spiteful. Mm -hmm. You froze. It's better. And then, oh, Am I back? Am I back? Am I back? Yeah, you're back. Okay. okay. Well, just like we both agreed to, to what we did wrong and uh, and how it definitely ruined anything that could be. But let's be friends now because we were, we had three children together, you know, right. like have each other's back. So I know anytime he reaches out like, hey, I need help. Can you do this? Yeah. I say yes. And if I can't do it, my family's there. And same with him, you know, like if we need help, we're there. Hmm. And I feel like he's, we've got each other's back for, oh, you know, forever. Even when our kids are grown, I, he's still family. My family still, you know, is still family. Yeah. My grandpa's been divorced four times right. or married four times. So it's my mom and dad were divorced before my dad died. Like divorce just seems regular to, to my family. It's not a, I mean, I hate Part of the it. world. Yeah. It's like, if it doesn't work out, just get divorced, whatever, you know, that's. No, that's I wouldn't think it's that easy. Part. It's not like that, but but you know when I when I was little, or when your grandpa was little, you know, divorce was a terrible thing. I know. And people stayed together because never mind the kids, because they would be shunned from society. Or hell, you know? they would go to hell if they. Did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's and there wonderful. Are people who still have that kind of thought in their head, you know, that it's a that there are bad people if it's a failure or something, you know, and you only got one life, you know, you have to make the most of it. Yeah. And that yeah. helps everybody who, around you. Who wants to live miserably? Nobody. Exactly. And, and especially when you, when you're in that stage of being spiteful and angry, you know, all you're doing is eating away at yourself, right? Yeah. It's making you ugly. Yeah, and it's going to appear on the outside ugly too, you know. But if it's good on the inside, good's going to appear. You're going to look prettier. So if, if, if for nothing, do it for vanity. <laughs> good point. All right. Raylan, where are you going from here? What do you got planned? What's going on? What's coming up? Uh, we have podcasts and uh, comedian Joe List. We're going to. I've, I've heard your podcast, by the way. It is really enjoyable. It's called Music is Funny. Yes. Thank you yeah. for letting me promote that. We have a new single coming out. It's one of my grandpa's tunes uh, with Waylon, the I Can Get Off On You song. Uh -huh. And uh, Joe DeRosa, the comedian, actually did the drums on it. So that's going to be cool to be featuring him. And then I have an original song coming out. And then Doug Stanhope was going to do The Grinch with me, but it, he said, it. I don't think it's going to work this year. I think it's going to be next year because he said I had to go out to Bisbee, Arizona, which is so far away from me for us to make it happen. So maybe we can get that done next year so that we can do the Grinch as a Christmas single. So I was going to do a Christmas single this year, but maybe not, or maybe try to figure something else out. I don't know. But anyway, putting tunes out, we have a, sh uh, a bunch of shows for next year, finally making the festival circuit. I've been trying to get on that festival circuit for a while. 
seems like once you get into that, you, you have pretty steady work, you know, for the year. So that seems like it's coming our way this year. And we had a bunch of shows scheduled this year and then uh, they, they were, were booked last year. And then all of a sudden, all the flights went up astronomically high, yeah. gas went up, you know, you know how it is. So it got so expensive to travel with the band. I had to, I'm like, I'm not paying to play anymore. This is, yeah. I've re that's what COVID made me realize is that you don't have to pay to play anymore. There are other things you could use what you have. So right. what I have is a fun way of talking to my fans with comedians, you know, so, and maybe I can get some of their fans to listen and jump on board with the music, you know, like just use what you have yeah. to help build the brand or the band or whatever you want to say. And now I'm just rambling to you. You're going to have to shut me off. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's delightful. I'll tell okay. you what. I'm talking about myself. What else you want to know? <laughs> tell you what, we're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to keep our eyes open. You'll be coming out to Billy Bob's here pretty at some yeah, point, I'm sure. You. Are you in uh -huh. Texas? Yeah, Dallas. Okay. Dallas, Dallas, Fort Worth. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Denton and, is, I played at LSA Burger in Denton a few times. Oh, and really? Denton's a fun town. Uh huh. Yeah, Denton is cool. Yeah. A big college town. Yeah. My it's wife, like Austin. It looks like Austin to me in Denton. She works there. My wife works in Denton. So, okay. Yeah, it's, it's a cool town. And yeah, Austin's not that far. So I'm going to keep an eye on, uh, on your schedule. And at some point, you know, I'll, send you a little note say hey just want to come by and say hello before the show or something of that nature yeah do it i'll put you on the list let me know all right braylon thank you so much for your time today thanks for having me have uh have a wonderful world have a wonderful life and and all the success that you want back at you all right bye-bye <laughs>